This podcast contains content and language not suitable for some listeners. Welcome to Oddities and Curiosities, a podcast about murder, the paranormal, and other oddities sure to pique your curiosity. We are Amanda and Brittany. What's up, girl? Hey, girl, hey. Oh. <laughs> that kind of sounded a bit of what it, it was, mean for it, too. It was. It was a little sad. <laughs> that wasn't purposeful. I'm so sorry. I'm just tired. Well, when this girl texted me, she said, hey, I'm not bringing food. I'm bringing alcohol. I was like, please, dear God, because I'm dealing with wedding shit. My oldest daughter is getting married this weekend. Mm -hmm. It would have already happened by the time this came out. I needed alcohol. So thank you, bestie. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Way to deliver. This has been quite the week for everyone, I think. I think Brittany's week is more stressful than mine. Mm-mm. I think it might be. Even Stevens, probably. <laughs> probably. Okay, so, um, hi. Hi! <laughs> it's episode 67. Seven. <laughs> uh, this week, we are covering the same topic, because mm-hmm. it's a doozy. Yes, it is. We And are... we went there. We oh, went there. I know. <laughs> I mean, they wouldn't let us go in, but we stood on the corner. No. The LaLaurie Mansion. We sat on the steps. Yeah, we did. And recovered from the heat. I almost had that day. And the horrible drink that we're drinking right now. Yeah, Holy but Holy shit. It wasn't horrible. It's not horrible this now. This one's not horrible, but yeah. the one we had that day was super sweet. It, it, it was bad. It was yeah, bad. and it was hot. It was so hot. Oh, God, I'm having flashbacks. Okay. Anyway, anyway, the LaLaurie Mansion, that's what we're talking about. That's what we're doing. Mm Mm-hmm. Go to the socials for episode pics and stuff, and our LaLaurie Mansion picture that we took while we were um, having a heat stroke. One of us still has it. I still have it. Okay. I have all our New Orleans pictures. Okay, good. Um, I'm like, is it my phone somewhere? I don't know. It's in there. I got it. One of us has their shit together. How about that? <laughs> sure. So well, that's subjective. <laughs> well, at this point, you <laughs> score for Brittany. Yeah, <laughs> one for me. You're you're doing well. Um, so while you're on the socials, you'll notice our hump day treat because it is it's hump day. day. <laughs> Um, y'all can't see this, but I was totes just doing the little goth kid dance from South Park. You know how they just bobbing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Goth kid dance. I yeah. love it. It doesn't really go, but it, it goes today. It, you're the boss. You can <laughs> do whatever my you podcast. want. That's right. It's my pod, and I can be a goth kid if I want to. You're damn straight, and we mm-hmm. accept you for who you are. <laughs> this is a safe space. okay so today's hump day treat yeah okay so i have a story okay originally it was supposed to be popcorn crawtails yeah blind tiger oh i was a little bummed about that they have the best crawfish tails fried crawfish tails um so we'll i'll bring that back later we'll do that on another episode they have the best like a lot of stuff Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. i love how on their menu they like pair a beer for you to go Absolutely. with your meal. That is Thank so cool. Thank God I don't have to figure that out for myself. Mm-hmm. But um, I was not feeling munchy. I was feeling boozy. So. Samesies. When you think of New Orleans. Yeah. And you think of drinks. Yeah. You think of one of two things. Ooh. One of three things. Three. Okay. Yeah. You either think of a bougie ass Bloody Mary. Yeah. Yes, for sure. Or a hand grenade. Oh, 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 my jam. Or a hurricane. Yeah, yeah. So I decided to go the hurricane route. I'm so glad you did. My original plan, because my life is a dumpster fire at the moment, (laughs) (laughs) I just wanted to run into the store and get a hurricane daiquiri. But alas, they did not have any. 
Out of all the bajillions of daiquiris, they didn't have that. We are in Louisiana. Well, it is what it is. I went to my little Highland liquor store. So I knew there was a a small chance they weren't going to have what I needed as far as daiquiri flavor. Mm -hmm. So while I was in there, I talked to the sweet man who, I think he's the owner. I think it's the owner that's in there when I go in there on Thursday. And I told him, I said, okay, you don't have a hurricane daiquiri. And I was wanting to make hurricanes. And I didn't see any hurricane mix over there. And he said, oh, no, we got a hurricane mix. And so he walked out there and he looked up and down the aisle with me. And he's like, hold on, I have hurricane mix. And so he walked to the back and came back with a bottle. Oh, And, of course, the hurricane mix he had was the perfect one. It's Pat O'Brien's hurricane mix. Yeah, because that's where you go to get a hurricane. If you go to New Orleans and you want a hurricane, that's where you go. That's the rules. Don't go to a side daiquiri spot. (sighs) With a woman who was quite obviously on some sort of speed and talking to you about ponytail holders. Yeah. Don't do that because they're too sweet and then you get sick. Yeah. Don't do that. But the hand grenades, stick with those. When it's hot, those are super refreshing Mm -hmm. and oh my God. So good. But yeah, <laughs> that's what I got. Pat O'Brien's hurricane I'm so mix. excited. And then I got the Captain Morgan original yeah. spice rum because I was standing there, the store man. Were you standing there like Captain Morgan? Of course not. <laughs> Why not? Because I am. And to me, that is no longer the Captain Morgan stance. That's the Michael Scott stance. <laughs> <laughs> true. True. But... Anyhow, I was standing in front of the rum, and I was like, shit, I don't know what kind of rum is technically supposed to go in Hurricane Mix. Is it the regular spiced rum, or do you get, like, white rum? I don't And so know. I I think this to myself aloud. Okay. And the store man said, oh, spiced rum makes it more better. <laughs> so I was like, okay. Okay. Spiced rum it is, sir. Yeah, he told me spiced rum is more better. So here I am. I'm loving this little store. Oh, my God. He is Precious. They are so helpful to you every time. I know. And today I told him, I said, okay, because he's old. It, that sounded bad. He's older. Old. Yeah. Not, not, not elderly, elderly. Just older. older. Okay. He's Sorry. probably, I would guess he is a, he's probably a little bit older than my parents. But uh, I told him, I said, you know, I've talked about your store before. And he was like, oh yeah. And I said, I have a podcast. And he said, I don't know how to do them things. Somebody's going to have to teach me how to do them podcast things. That's where you talk, right? Yes, sir. That's where we talk. <laughs> that's what we do. And uh, he said, tell, tell me how to listen to it. How do I listen to that so I can hear you talk about my store? Oh, my gosh. And so I told him, I said, we just mentioned you. We have little treats when we record. I said, I don't know if you're going to like this content or not because I don't know this man from Adam, for goodness sake. Um, I said, uh, we talk about some bad stuff, like it's true crime type stuff. I said, we just... I said, and it's comedy, and he kind of looked at me funny, and I said, we get drunk and talk about bad stuff, and he just burst out laughing. <laughs> then he pulled out his iPhone and asked me where he's supposed, what button he's supposed to push. Oh so I showed God. him the podcast button, and I gave him a card. So, um, hi, Highland Wines and Spirits, man, if Shout you're out. listening. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that was my story. Oh, and I have one more other story. Okay. Real fast. Real fast. So... We already told you that me and Amanda got Pat O'Brien's Hurricanes, and then we got Shady Side Corner Hurricanes and almost died. Yeah. So yeah. this other time when I went to New Orleans, me and Steven got Hurricanes. We went on this haunted ghost tour, this Ooh. walking tour. Yes. And you get a buy one, get one free ticket for Pat O'Brien's. That's okay. where you meet up to start the tour. Uh-huh. So we go in and we get our buy one, get one freeze. And so we're walking oh around God. double fisting hurricanes talking about <laughs> ghosts. Steven gets hammered. Uh, yeah. I am half yeah. a hurricane in. He's one and a half in. Oh, no. And we stop in this courtyard and we're talking about the Axe Man in New Orleans. And I'm sure I'm going to tell you all about that at some point later because I love that story. Have we not said that? I, we haven't told the story yet. Oh. But we're in this courtyard, and she's telling us about this gruesome stuff that happened in the Axeman in New Orleans, and yada, yada, yada. She's like, some of y'all may know these tales. And Stephen was like, fuck yeah, man! Like, as loud as he can. And she's like, oh, so the Axeman has a fan! And everybody is laughing at us, and I was like, oh my god, he has got to stop drinking her games. So, yeah. (laughs) This drink is synonymous with walking through New Orleans. (laughs) 
Good job, Steven. I'm so proud. Fuck yeah, man. I'm so proud. So, yeah. <laughs> I married that. Yeah. <laughs> like I tell you all the time, <laughs> you picked me. <laughs> Why do I do the things that I do? I don't know, but here we are. <laughs> all right. So, let's let's talk about some fucked up shit. Okay. Let's, let's do that. All right. So... I'm going to tell you guys all about the history of Madame LaLaurie and her mansion. Yes. So, the legend of Madame Delphine LaLaurie, mm-hmm. there is going to be some names in this, y'all. Just I know. be prepared. Mm-hmm. Has grown into a pop culture phenomenon. Like most things in pop culture, the line between fact and fiction is a bit blurred. Yeah. There is no denying that LaLaurie was a horribly fascinating character in New Orleans history. So let's go look at a picture real quick of her so you kind of know who we're talking about here. Yeah. This is a picture of Delphine LaLaurie. Hello, darling. She looks nothing like Kathy Bates. No. <laughs> no. I mean, they got the hair. And yeah, yeah. And the brown eyes. Um, if any of you are fans of American Horror Story, then you know a little bit mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. Delphine LaLaurie. Yes. So she was born Marie Delphine McCarty in March 1787. Young Delphine grew up fairly privileged. Her parents, Louis Bartholomew McCarty and Marie-Jean LaArable. Okay. <laughs> I ain't French, I, I'm, but I'm trying real hard for y'all. It's fine. They were prominent European Creoles high up in New Orleans society. The McCarty men had military backgrounds. Most were landowners, and her father was knighted as the Chevalier of the Royal and Military Order of St. Louis. Ooh. That all sounds fancy. Don't know what it means. By 1794, her family had a 1,344-acre plantation. Delphine's uncle was the governor of two Spanish-American provinces when she was born, and later a cousin of hers would become mayor of the city of New Orleans. Ooh, so they, they was real high up in the politics and such. Yes, they were. Mm-hmm. All right. Her mother was known to be quite the hostess. She loved yeah. a good party <laughs> and a good prank. Yeah. She threw parties that went into the wee hours of the night. Some nights, okay, this is funny, y'all. Some nights included jumping into the canal on their property and stealing the clothes and shoes of the male guests, forcing them to go home in bare feet and nightshirts. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. This bitch, we could have been really, really cool. Mama Marie seems pretty fucking cool. Yeah. When Delphine's mother passed away in 1807, her father explored companionship in an untraditional, though popular, manner. Mm-hmm. Okay. Real quick. Okay. I'm going to say a word that I don't feel like is a very nice word, but I Googled it, and it's technically not a racial term, but for me, it feels yuck. But this is what they called her in more than one place that I looked. So, here we go. Okay. (laughs) Are Are you okay? Yeah, I just don't. It feels wrong, but I Googled it to make sure I wasn't saying anything ugly, but I'm only going to say the word once. Okay. He had a long-term relationship with a free quadroon, or a biracial woman, Sophie Musante. So, in that time period in New Orleans, if you had any portion of African-American race, if you were in any way um, of mixed race, Mm -hmm. you were called a quadroon. Yes. So, apparently, unless you are using it in an obvious derogatory sense... It's not it's right. a racial slur, but it still feels wrong. It feels dirty. So that's the only time I'm going to say that. But okay, that's You're what okay. she was referred to a lot. But she was biracial. Okay. But they never married. That was just his long-term companion. Oh. Mm-hmm. And it was known. It wasn't a secret. Everybody knew. Actually, in 1815, Sophie gave birth to daughter Delphine and Misi McCarty. Yay! And you guys, they reuse names like nobody's business. That happens a lot. Who names two of their daughters the same name? Delphine and Delphine. Stop it. It's crazy. That's too confusing. Yeah, we can't do that. Thank God they're not twins. The godparents of... Their child were Delphine and her brother, Louis. Oh. So she was one of the godparents of her half-sister. Okay. 
I gotcha. Records show that quite a few of the McCarty men had relationships with free women of color or women of mixed race. So it kind of... It was a thing. Was a thing in her family. Which makes okay. which makes some of the last, like, which makes the rest of the story so hard to, I don't know. Swallow. Yeah. Because it, of her background. Maybe that's where the animosity comes from? I don't know. That's a very good question. It's, it's, it's strange. This woman's sure. strange. Yeah, that's the biggest question of this is why. She fucked up. Yeah. It's all fucked up. Yeah. At the time of Delphine's childhood, New Orleans and much of the rest of Louisiana were under Spanish control from 1763 to 1801. In 1800, she married her first husband, Don Ramon de Lopez y Angulo. Ooh. <laughs> Ramon. Ramon. Yes, Ramon. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> okay, I'm done. Get off me now. <laughs> oh, 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 Ramon. <laughs> Your penis is so powerful. If y'all have not watched Romeo and Michelle, what are you even doing with your life? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I love that scene. I know. I love the whole, the whole and her voice, too. like the voice she's doing when she's doing that. Oh, oh, yes, Ramon. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm done. Get off me now. <coughs> anyway, back to the story. Her, her first husband, Dom Ramon, was a highly ranked officer in Spain's royal army. She was barely 14 when she married the 35-year-old widow. Wow. Yeah. It, it, it was a. It, it used to be a thing. It's, it was eighteen hundred. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> what are you gonna do? <laughs> so he had recently lost his wife on the treacherous journey from Spain to Louisiana to step into his appointed position. Hmm. Ramon was second in command to the Louisiana governor. Delphine often traveled with her husband to Spain and its other territories due to their political positions, but Don Ramon. 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 Became ill within a few years and died in Havana after five years of marriage, oh, leaving no. Delphine a young widow with a baby. And the baby's name here, y'all ready for this shit? Mother. F oh, God. Marie. Whole Delphine. Francisca Borja Lopez y Angulo de la Candelaria. Oh, my God. That's a lot of names. Imagine <laughs> signing that on a document. I would just be M. Candelaria. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shit, my name's not that long now, and that's how I sign it. First initial, last name. Good point. Yeah. Delphine stayed in Havana long enough to bury her husband and have her daughter baptized. Then she returned to her home in New Orleans to discover that the city was no longer under Spanish or French rule, oh. but now under American ownership. Oh, shit. Surprise! Mm -hmm. You stayed gone too long. In 1808, she got married again, this time to a banker named Jean-Paul Blanc. Okay. On Delphine's 20th birthday, March 19th, 1807, and just a few weeks after her mother died, she married the older Frenchman and widower. Delphine's mother had divided her estate between her three children. It is possible that he saw her inheritance as an opportunity. Yeah. Blanc had arrived in New Orleans with an agenda. He was a ruthless businessman who had been active in the slave trade as well as politics and an associate to the notorious pirate brothers, Jean and Pierre Lafitte. Well, he's bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nothing good comes from hanging with pirates. No, Just it doesn't. Say. I mean, they're cool. I mean, I, I love me some Johnny Depp. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, oh. like, I like that pirate. So, Delphine's inheritance of $33,007 made for a healthy dowry for the marriage to her new husband. Yes. Her mother also left her a downtown plantation on the bank of the Mississippi River, 52 enslaved people, and livestock and farm equipment. Oh, good. Her father then gifted the couple another plantation. God. Property on, I think that's Chartres Street. Yeah. I, I, that's how I say yeah. it, but it might be wrong. I don't know. And an additional 26 enslaved people. That's a lot of enslaved people, bro. That's, that's 52 uh -huh. plus 26. Too much math. I can't. 78? I don't know. 78? 
I don't know. If I'm wrong, take it out. <laughs> no. Yeah, that's right. It's right. It's right. We mad. It's too late to math. <laughs> uh, okay. You did it. In today's value, her inheritance was worth over $2 million. God. Blanc went on to purchase a two-story townhome on Royal and Conti next door to the Bank of Louisiana where he was the director. So he did have Ooh. an actual big boy job, but okay. you know it was corrupt and shit. Probably. Delphine had four children, three daughters and one son with Blanc, but he also died very young and she was a widow again in 1816. Son of a bitch. Mm-hmm. Less than a year after the Battle of New Orleans, the 50-year-old Jean Blanc passed away. Delphine was just 28 years old. Damn. Mm-hmm. She can't catch a break. Right. <laughs> Her father passed away in 1824, leaving his children with a substantial inheritance. So, Delphine was fucking loaded. She was loaded. This is so unfair. This is the point Why? of me telling you all this. So, you can see just how much wealth this bitch was rolling in. Why couldn't we have been born this way? I don't know. Like, at least one of us. With a property and $33,000 of today's money, I'd be happy with that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Shortly well. after, Delphine was married for a third and final time. All right. This time, her husband, Dr. Leonard Louis Nicholas Lalori, the easiest name to say. Oh, my God. Leonard. <laughs> Leonard. <laughs> was quite a bit younger than she was. When Dr. LaLaurie came into the picture, Delphine was an experienced woman of wealth. He arrived from France with a mission to start his physician practice. He was basically a chiropractor, straightening crooked backs was yeah. his job. In 1826, one of Delphine's children needed some help being straightened out, and that's when the <laughs> romance began. One could speculate a few scenarios around their relationship, but one thing that we do know for sure is that Madame Delphine... Became pregnant with Dr. LaLaurie's child out of wedlock. Oops. Five months after the birth of their son, Jean-Louis Leonard LaLaurie, they were at a notary negotiating their marriage contract. They ended up on paper putting that they were married before their child was born. Oh. <laughs> a little saucy. The scandal. Mm-hmm. The two of them moved to a large mansion at 1140 Royal Street in the heart of the New Orleans French Quarter. This lavish home became the site of her violent crimes. I know that place. I know that place. Go to the pictures. and Okay, so these are pictures of it now. But there's the outside, inside kitchen and dining room. Like the hall, kitchen, and dining room. Uh, I want to go inside so bad. I know. And this picture's at night. The picture we're going to post that we took is during the day. So yeah. you'll be able to see better. But this was the only way I could find inside pictures. I'm so glad you did. God. Yeah. I needed to know. Me too. Because mm-hmm. you cannot go inside that thing. The curtains are locked tight. They don't you leave their blinds even, open. No, not at all. <laughs> like You can't even peep inside. We tried. Mm-hmm. You, you can't see shit. They even have a gate in front of the front door. You can't even walk yeah, up to the front door. you can't even walk to the front door. Look, look, I understand. If I was the property owner, I would probably do the same thing. But, come on. We just need to become friends with these people. I mean, they could at least do like a live video stream of what's going on inside and have a monitor outside. Yeah. They could choose where they wanted to show it. I mean... ONC podcast exclusive. Hook me up. We need to be friends. Okay. Call me, LaLaurie owner. Yeah. Archived letters written by friends mention that the marriage was not a happy one. They were known to, quote, fight, often separate, and then return to each other, end quote. Some of these letters begin to make early mentions of Delphine's cruelty to her enslaved people. On November 16th, 1832, Delphine LaLaurie petitioned the courts for a separation from her husband. She claimed that LaLaurie had, quote, treated her in such a manner as to render their living together insupportable, end quote. Oh. She also claimed that LaLaurie had beaten her in front of witnesses. Five months later, Dr. LaLaurie moved permanently to his new residence in Plaquemine Parish. There are numerous accounts of Delphine LaLaurie's treatment of her enslaved people. What is for certain is that she and her husband did own a number of men and women as property. 
Although some say she never mistreated them in public and in general was civil to African Americans, it seemed as though Delphine had a dark secret. Yeah. In the early 1830s, rumors began to make their way through the French Quarter alleging that Delphine and possibly her husband were mistreating their enslaved people. While it was common and legal for enslavers to physically discipline the men and women they owned, barf, <sighs> there were certain guidelines laid out to discourage excessive physical cruelty. Mm-hmm. Laws were in place to maintain a certain standard of upkeep for enslaved people, but on at least two occasions, court representatives went to the LaLaurie home with reminders. Yep. Okay, you can't be that mean. You gotta follow the rules. We're, you're here. You're at a ten. We're gonna need you at like a two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just a smidge. Turn it down. So, British social theorist or sociologist Harriet Martineau wrote in 1836 of Delphine's suspected hypocrisy. Okay, pause for a moment. Yep. So, when I was reading about this. I was like, Harriet Martineau, British social theorist. What is that? Yeah. So I had to Goog. Okay. Okay. Harriet was a badass. Is she? She was the first female sociologist ever. Ooh, go Harriet. And women holding jobs like this was not a thing in 1836. True. You didn't do that. Yeah. In the 1800s. And so she was like... She was a trailblazer. Oh, I love this. So go Harriet. Yeah. Okay. This makes it even better. And then I had to stop reading about her because I was like falling down this hole. (laughs) (laughs) So she related a tale in which a neighbor saw a small child, quote, flying across the yard toward the house and Madame LaLaurie pursuing her cowhide in hand, end quote. Well, that just took a turn. Mm -hmm. Okay. Until they ended up on the roof. Martineau said, quote, she heard the fall and saw the child taken up, her body bending and limbs hanging as if every bone were broken. Oh, God. At night, she saw the body brought out, a shallow hole dug by torchlight, and the body covered over, end quote. God, oh, my. So this is what a neighbor accounted to Martineau. Okay. After this incident, an investigation took place and charges of unusual cruelty mounted against Delphine. Nine enslaved people were removed from her home. However, Delphine managed to use her family's connections to get them all back to her home on Royal Street. Mm-hmm. There were also allegations that she beat two of her daughters, particularly when they showed any semblance of kindness toward their mother's enslaved people. Yeah. So if they tried, if they showed any act of kindness whatsoever, giving them food, loosening restraints, anything of the sort, they were beaten as well. Yeah. Yep. Damn. Mm. In 1834, a fire broke out at the LaLaurie Mansion. It began in the kitchen, and when authorities arrived on the scene, they found a 70-year-old black woman chained to the stove. That's when the truth about Delphine's atrocities came out. The cook told the fire marshal that she had set the fire in order to complete suicide because Delphine kept her chained up all day and punished her for the slightest infraction. Yep. In the process of extinguishing the fire and evacuating the house, bystanders broke down the doors to the LaLaurie quarters for enslaved people and found seven more enslaved people chained to walls, horribly (sighs) mutilated and tortured. They told investigators they had been there for months. The next day, the New Orleans Bee wrote, quote, Upon entering one of the apartments, the most appalling spectacle met their eyes. Seven slaves, and I'm saying that because it's a quote, more or less horribly mutilated, were seen suspended by the neck with their limbs apparently stretched and torn from one extremity to the other. These slaves were the property of the demon in the shape of a woman. They had been confined by her for several months in the situation from which they had thus providentially providentially, been rescued and had been merely kept in existence to prolong their suffering and to make them taste all that the most refined cruelty could inflict. God, oh my God. Okay. It's all garbage. It is. It's so bad. Yeah. It's so bad, y'all. Martineau's account, written in 1838, indicates that the enslaved people had been flayed and wore spiked iron collars to prevent movement of the head. Yep. When questioned, Delphine's husband told investigators that they needed to just mind their own business. Yep. Okay. That doesn't make you look guilty, Val. Mm -mm, Not at all. 
An angry mob stormed the structure and destroyed it after the discovery of the abused enslaved people was made public. Madame Delphine LaLaurie did have one loyal servant on her staff. This we know for sure. As they all do. Mm -hmm. Amid the mayhem and flames, her enslaved coachman brought her carriage around. The mob was stunned initially. It is said that the angry citizens tried desperately to hold the horses and snatch her from the carriage. Still, the coachman used his whip and plunged the horses forward, escaping the crowd. Jesus. Following the fire, two of the rescued enslaved people ended up dying from their injuries. In addition, the backyard was excavated and bodies were found. It was confirmed one was the child who had fallen from the roof. Yeah. And reports vary as to how many others were buried in the yard. Good God. Not much is known about what became of Delphine after the fire. It is suspected that she fled to France and, Mm -hmm. according to archival records, is believed to have died in Paris in 1849. Yeah. However, there is a plate on a tomb in New Orleans St. Louis Cemetery 1 that reads, Madame LaLaurie, Nee Marie Delphine McCarthy, decedi, I'm not French, so I don't know what that means. Probably died. Deceased. Deceased. In Paris. Yeah. Yeah. A Paris. A Paris. Le 7, December, 1842, indicating that she, in fact, died seven years earlier than the French archives would say. So, it's all a little sus, but I do have a picture of the copper plate. Yes. If you want to go to the notes. Yeah. That's what it looks like. It's damaged a little bit, but there's... It's still there. Mm Mm-hmm. You can still read it. Yep. Worth seeing. And that is the end of my portion of the case. All right, here we go. I'm going to jump in from the fire. (laughs) There's a little bit of overlap, but that's okay. Yeah, it's fine. There's some details that I have for you. You're welcome. Okay. okay. Um, my part is mostly about the hauntings. Whoa. Yeah. So here we go. Beaten and starved by the Lolores, a dozen or so mutilated slaves gathered on the sidewalk of Hospital Street to the horror of the guests still assembled outside. The slaves' bodies were bruised and broken, bearing the marks of whips and other torture devices. One man even had a hole in his head. Maggots crawled in and out of his no, brain. Thank you, please. Maybe we should do a trigger warning. Trigger warning. Trigger warning. It's all garbage. While their guests were distracted by the hellish scene unfolding on the streets, they escaped, like Brittany said, and they locked themselves into the home and locked themselves inside at first. Okay. When the fire department arrived, they discovered an elderly slave woman bound in heavy chains in the kitchen to the fireplace. Or was it the stove? It was the stove. Stove. When they finally got past the resistant Madame LaLaurie, they forced the door open and proceeded to the attic to check for any new sources of fire or even embers that could still be, you know, lit to set the home ablaze. Smart. Mm -hmm. They were overcome by the stench of rot, decay, and death. It's gross. So, upon entering one of the apartments, the most appalling spectacle met their eyes. Several slaves, more or less horribly mutilated, they were seen suspended from the neck, with their limbs apparently stretched and torn from one extremity to the other. Some believe that Dr. Louis LaLaurie and his wife were conducting horrific medical experiments on the slaves. According to accounts, the victims were men, women, and children, and included a caged woman who had her limbs broken and set at at unnatural angles, so to resemble a crab. There was a mutilated sex change operation, a woman whose limbs were removed and odd circular pieces of skin removed to resemble a human caterpillar. Oh, no. Some had pieces of their faces removed to resemble gargoyles. The seven suspended from their necks were badly mutilated. And, um, yeah, then that was the end of the Lord Lorries. They, um, peaced out, Girl Scout. Okay. It's all garbage. After the mob realized that the Lord Lorries had fled, Brittany told y'all about the mob, they tore apart the mansion, leaving it in total disrepair. There it sat, hulking in ruin for decades. Almost immediately, the mansion became the scene of ghostly tales as people reported hearing tortured shrieks of the LaLaurie's mistreated slaves echoing through the streets surrounding the home. Mm. Totally understandable. Yeah. 
In the 1850s, the mansion was refurbished, but it would never shake the curse of the events that had transfixed the city of New Orleans. Yeah. Owner after owner would come to ruin with none seeming to last more than a few years at most. Soon, no one wanted to reside in this once grand and glorious mansion, which is a shame. Mm -hmm. By the 1870s, the mansion was cut up into dozens of tenement apartments and um, mostly occupied by immigrant dock workers and their families. families. Their children immediately began to hear unexplained moans and groans, disembodied screams, burning human flesh, dragging of chains, and scratching noises under the floorboards would bedevil the children's sleep. Their parents never experienced any of it and wrote it off as simply their children's overactive imaginations, right? A faucet in a first floor bathroom comes on, though there's no one in the room. A kitchen door opens and closes at random. Neither sounds particularly frightening. And it's fairly common knowledge that children are much more attuned to the spirit world, perhaps because their minds are more open. Truth. Those imaginations do come in handy. Mm -hmm. However, this all changed when an immigrant dock worker came home late one evening and found his way up the stairs, blocked by a large black man bound in chains. Okay. It's unexpected. Hi. Mm -hmm. He screamed at the man in his native tongue to move, and when the apparition did not budge, he used his hands to push the figure out of his way. His hands passed right through... Nope. The spirit dissolved into a cold mist. Oh, no. Thank By you, sunrise, please. the mansion was empty once more as all its residents fled in the night. Of course they did. It appears on postcards of the city as early as the 1880s, labeled as the Haunted House of New Orleans. People spending the night in the home report waking in the middle of the night to find a woman with long red hair glaring down at them as they slept. Mm, no. This same figure is reported by passerby on the streets below, seeming to stare right through them as they walk by. That's creepy. I found photos of her. It's, look, I'm not going to post photos that are bullshit. These are bullshit. You can yeah. tell they're photoshopped. We're sticking to the photos that Brittany has. I don't have any in my section. That's okay. It's because, hard to catch a picture of a ghost. I mean, I will find every photo of the Lolori Mansion that I think is beautiful, but we're going to have a lot of photos. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. So, anyways. <laughs> Many believed this was the spirit of Delphine Lolori returned to New Orleans when her children had disinterred her remains in Paris. In Paris. Mm-hmm. Returning her bones to her native soil once more. So that may explain that. Yeah. The turn of the last century saw dozens of horrific tales become associated with the mansion. One such story states that in the moments before the Lalories fled the city, they pulled up the floorboards in one of the upstairs bedrooms. There they shackled a dozen or more of their servants still alive with their mouths sewn shut. Mm-mm. When no. their muffled moans and the clanking of their chains were heard, the noise was assumed to be ghosts. Their remains were discovered decades later during a renovation of the home. It would become the repository of all the worst that humans could imagine other than of got could imagine other humans capable of. That is not okay. It's not yeah, okay. I, the, I I'm not sure if that last part is true. That's kind of like a myth, but hey. There it is. And there it, it sucks. is. Mm-hmm. I'm drinking. Mm-hmm. Chill. Okay. So, um, the house today. This notoriety makes the building something of a prized possession. Yeah, because we really, 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 really want to go in there. I just want to see it. But like the Hope Diamond, its beauty and majesty seem to exact a painful price. One owner after another comes to a bad end. One opened a haunted pub, which was forced to close a few short years later. Shortly before this, he bequeathed the house to its last documented spirit. A, a suite upstairs was rented to a curious old man who died just days after moving in. And among his belongings was $10,000 in gold. Nice. His spirit still haunts the hallways of the mansion, seeking his misplaced fortune. 
Where is my gun? <laughs> That's all I can hear. That was great. That was great. Bravo. The house at 1140 Royal Street, thank you, has changed dramatically since the days when Lori lived there. Lived there. Lalari. Lalari. It's fine. <laughs> the three-story building today sits flush with the sidewalk, painted the color of storm clouds, and ringed by wrought iron galleries. Mm-hmm. It's believed the third floor was added around 1837 when the home went through one of its many renovations. Much of its architectural detailing, including elaborate ceiling medallions, carved doors, Greek columns, and an intricate border of winged angels in the dining room, likely dates from then. Given the permutations that the property has undergone over the decades, it seems miraculous that such details survived. For real. Mm-hmm. I want to go see all that. Right. Owners through the decades find their health, sanity, and wealth ruined by the touch of this accursed building. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> One owner ends his days in an asylum. Another slips into a coma after a bar fight. Oh, no. The most famous owner of all, Nicholas Cage, purchased the home just after Hurricane Katrina. Unfortunately, a few years later, he lost the home in a bankruptcy that would strip him of all his possessions in New Orleans. Okay. Sorry. I think you're a really great actor. I hate that that happened to you. Yeah. I don't Is know. Is he I'm really just, great? I, Is he really great? I liked Face Off. Okay, but was it because of him? I mean, <laughs> oh, and Gone in 60 Seconds. Okay, I liked that movie as well. He was still not great. He's not great. Sorry, Nicholas Cage. Okay, maybe it was just the movies that were good. Maybe it's it, not him because yeah. Ghost Rider was awful. I'm sorry. It was awful. I never even saw it. was horrible. It. Okay. Sorry, Nicholas Cage. Sorry. Oh, I do have a Nicholas Cage story, though. My, my husband accidentally met Nicholas Cage one time. Accidentally? At Critter Company. Remember when they had <laughs> yes. Critter Company in Bozier? Mm-hmm. Okay, so at that point in time. That's we, where our gym is now. <laughs> yeah. We had several geckos at the time. Mm-hmm. And Stephen went in there to buy crickets for the geckos. And uh, he was looking at the other lizards, and this dude walked up and was looking at lizards next to him. And Stephen said he kind of did a double take, and he, oh my God. he said to him, "Has anybody ever told you you look like Nicolas Cage?" And he was like, "Yeah, I get that a lot." Oh my God! <laughs> but it was totally Nicolas Cage, and they were talking about like chameleons and shit. That's so random and so cool. Yeah, I mean that that would have been awesome to have a real conversation. Yeah, I'm not saying he's not cool, but um, I mean. It is what it, it is. It is. It's fine. It's fine. You do you, Nick Cage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it is easy to brush off some of the paranormal activity as um, just typical creaks and quirks, quirks of old architecture. Mm-hmm. Unless you're a contractor. Mm-hmm. So there's still a few things that, that go on. The door opens and the faucet still runs. Even after the house's recent top-to-bottom spare-no-expense renovation. Y'all saw the pics. We've had many carpenters take that door off and level it, and it still does it, said Carol Williams, the the house uh, caretaker. I want to be that Williams. person. Okay. Hey, Carol. Let's be besties. Let's be besties. She lives in an apartment in a historic outbuilding on the property. Her experiences with the house's spectral residence aren't always so benign. She said her daughter, Lisa, cleans the house. Hey, Lisa, we can be besties, too. Yeah. What'd it do? She said when Nick owned it, she'd come in and make the bed in his bedroom. A little while later, she'd come back, and there would be a body print outline in the comforter. Weird. We'd shake out the feather bed. We would dry clean it, but it would come back. That's creepy. Williams also hears footsteps in the house when there's no one inside. I can hear them in my apartment. It sounds like it's coming from the third floor. Probably because they're like, where the fuck did this come from? We didn't have a third floor. I don't understand this. (laughs) What is happening? It used to be the attic where I was chilling. Mm -hmm. Chilling? (laughs) Chilling? I was going to say hanging out, but that sounded so much worse. It's all bad. It's so bad. (laughs) I decided to go with chilling. Ma'am. I couldn't go as dark as hanging out, okay? It's all bad. (laughs) But anyway, so... There's also weird things with phones. The house has a landline, but it likes to dial the Williams cell phone all on its own when no one is home. 
Well, it's time to get rid of that because who has a landline anymore? <laughs> right? Just get rid of the landline. You don't need it. Mm-mm. It's okay. You, you'll be fine. After the recent renovation by Michael Whalen, Wallen, Whalen, Whalen. Hi, Michael. Hi, Michael. Let's be friends. We can be friends too. We make really good cocktails, you guys. Mm-hmm. Hurricanes. And have really good snacks. Uh huh. He's the new house owner. She said that the paranormal activity has actually slowed down. She feels very comfortable there now. But then she paused because there was that one recent incident. (laughs) She was at home with a friend on a Tuesday night, and suddenly the microwave in her apartment came on. Her front door flew open. The TV started playing, and her dog, a Yorkie, began barking on high alert in the direction of the bedroom, and he could not be quieted. Then the cell phone rang. She said she didn't answer it. They just got out of there. Um, That's a big thing that happened recently, ma'am. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, wait, there was this one thing. But, ma'am. So its current owner, um, like I said, uh, Mr. Whalen. Wallen. Whalen. I I think it's Whalen. It's Whalen. He's a Texas energy trader. He's using it as a weekend home. To entertain clients and friends. And uh, wishing him the best of luck. Why can't we we be friends? friends? (laughs) I was just about to sing it. That's so bad. (laughs) Okay, then there is our case. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) Lots of bunch of fucked up shit. Yeah, it's terrible. It's all terrible. Yeah, it's all bad. You can't fault the house. The house didn't do it. Oh, my God. It's so pretty, though. Madame LaLaurie. French garbage. <laughs> I wish I knew how to say that in French. Garbage. <laughs> douche. <laughs> A female douche bag. Back box member. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I was trying to ma'am. fix it. Ma'am. Ma'am. Just take it out. Just, I'm just going to no drink. There's no fixing that. Mm-mm. All right. We well. do have one last thing. Another haunted place. All right. Today <laughs> on Haunted Tales with Brittany. Yeah. Gather around, friends. <laughs> Gather around. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Our little story this week is the fearsome fort. Craig Durock. Yeah. Castle. Yeah. Do you see the late Joan Dunsmore? <laughs> Dunsmere? Dunsmore? Dunsless? Dunsmere? I don't know. I don't know. Reads the caption on a photo supposedly showing the ghost of a woman in Craig Durock Castle, the National Historic Site and Museum on Vancouver Island, British Columbia. Though ghost photos are taken in supposedly haunted spots all over the world, they often involve tricks of the light or, say, Photoshop. Yeah. But in this oh. castle, they may well be spectral selfies built by coal magnate <laughs> Robert Dunsmuir. I, I don't know how you say this. Dunsmuir. Yeah, Dunsmuir. Okay. The Scottish baronial castle was completed in 1890, but the industrialist died before he could move in. His wife, Joan, took possession but died herself in 1908. When not Mm -hmm. posing for photos, Joan's ghost has been seen descending the main staircase in a ball gown, and her tallow candles have been smelled on the second floor. She does not seem to be alone. In the basement, the spirit of a little girl has been seen staring sadly at the floor. Oh, shit. And the crying of a child and music from a playerless Steinway piano are sometimes heard echoing among the ornate woodwork and Victorian stained glass in the mansion's 39 rooms. Oh, my God. That's That's a lot of rooms. That is a lot of rooms. Plenty of other spots on Vancouver Island are said to be haunted, too. Cameron Lake, for one, is the site of a wide range of reported paranormal activity, and the ghost of a Hawaiian axe murderer supposedly haunts the forest of Newcastle Island okay, Park. Okay, I'm writing that down. Hawaiian axe murderer? Hawaiian axe murderer. What okay. was In Canada. The, what was the name of the lake? Cameron Lake. Cameron Lake. Not least, nearby Vancouver's Dead Man's Island, Mm -hmm. once a burial ground for everyone from indigenous Indians to early settlers, as well as a quarantine station for smallpox victims, is now home to the haunted HMCS Discovery, a Royal Canadian Navy Reserve Division and shore facility. 
Many reservists have experienced unexplained activity here, including, according to the Vancouver Courier, disembodied voices, apparitions, and moving furniture. Oh. But at least one witness wanted further proof. If I have an encounter with ghosts, I want chains, a seaman said. (laughs) (laughs) I want the whole Ghostbusters effect. (laughs) (laughs) And that's uh, Craig Durock Castle. I like it. In Vancouver. Apparently, y'all got some spooky shit over there. A a few. Yeah. I like the Hawaiian and axe murder. Yeah. I mean, Dead Man's Island? Yeah. All of it sounds really, really good. But this castle is pretty legit. Oh, it's gorgeous. It's Scottish looking. But it's in Canada. I love Canada. Let's go. I've never been there. Me either. Then how do you know you love it? Because it just sounds fun. Oi. Something different. Oi. You know what else to sounds experience? fun? What? You know what sounds fun? Going to Australia, mate. Do you know what lives in Australia? A lot of poisonous All things. All the most of the poisonous things in the world and crocodiles. But then there's the hot guys with the accent. I'm still not trying to get punched in the face by a kangaroo and then bitten by a giant spider. So, I'm not going to Australia. <laughs> <laughs> I'm more worried about the frogs because I think they're so cute and they're so colorful, but you can't touch them Mm-mm. like I do the, like tree frogs around here. No. It's like, oh, hi, poisonous baby. dart frogs. They'll kill you. Yeah, you'll it's die. It's not a good thing. Stay far. You know away what from else that. is mean? Kangaroos and koalas. They look cute too. I know they're not. They're not nice. Yeah, don't try to pet those. Uh-uh. That's not a good place for me. Don't go to Australia. Don't. I'm telling you. We love it. It's beautiful. We don't love, go there. We love how do y'all do it, it on TV? This is how? what I want to know. Please tell me how you do it. Look, people say the same thing about us living in Louisiana. They're like, oh. how do you deal with all the gators and the mosquitoes? And well, we don't really have much gators. The mosquitoes are everywhere. You just kind of deal with those. Yeah. Bug sprays. We good. just have lots of mosquitoes and terrible school systems. It's fine. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, I think we should um, end on I'm that. Note. Finish up my drink, and I'm gonna. All right. Well, we're leaving now. Good night, friends, or morning, or whatever time of day you're watching this. Uh, you aren't even watching it; you're listening to it. <laughs> That's how badly I need to go to bed. <laughs> I didn't even catch it. Yeah, I'm gonna stick with the bed thing. Sound good? I'm gonna go. Okay, bye, friends. Okay, bye. Thanks for hanging out with us. Don't forget to visit us on Facebook and Instagram for episode picks and announcements. Please rate and review on Apple, Spotify, and Facebook. We want to give a huge shout out to Stephen Goetzky for editing, Craig Weaver for music, and our very own Amanda Hagens for art. We'll talk at you next week.